last time on either or and Hermione deserves so much more than that and that's why I struggle with with, 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 with the end of that character uh, she could do so much better well dad I think you have the emotional range of a tea <laughs> welcome to another episode of the either or podcast my name is Steve Baldwin and joining me as always my good friend and partner on this here show Chris Evans Hello, Steve. I am doing great today. I have put aside preparing for this class. I've put aside preparing to be an online teacher. I've put aside preparing to, <laughs> to, to secure my compound. The neighborhood bat signal went out, told me where to find eggs. I rushed out to the store. I came back with eggs and potatoes and red vines. I am set. I'm ready to go. Did you buy your $100 rolls of toilet paper? No toilet paper. Well, you know, no luck there, Steve. Uh, I spent the rest of my day unsuccessfully uh, trying to convert my toilets to bidets, so that didn't go so well. Uh, Water everywhere. I'll be right over. Um, (laughs) All right. You know, Chris, we're in the middle of uh, the coronavirus, obviously, dominating the news, and rightfully so. And by the way, we recommend everyone follow the CDC guidelines around social distancing and hand washing, proper hygiene to help slow the spread of the coronavirus. In fact, as we record the show, we are using Skype for the first time to record this show. We're not in the studio together, Chris. You know, it's pretty funny, Steve. We've talked about this for years. I'm a bit of a Luddite. Uh, This has forced me to uh, sign up for Skype, sign up for Twitter, sign up for Instagram, learn all of these newfangled devices. And it's quite interesting i'm getting better so as much as we want to be together we are practicing proper social distancing and recording this episode remotely um but chris you know as bad as coronavirus has been there is going to be another side to this thing we will get through this we just need to weather the storm and we will get through it together in the meantime it's so tempting to compare our circumstances to oh i don't know the zombie apocalypse I keep hearing this thing. My friends keep talking about this. It's sort of like a joke, you know. Oh my God, the zombie apocalypse is coming. <laughs> well, that's exactly what we're talking about today, Steve. Uh, that's right. The zombie apocalypse in a in a fun kind of way. And and who do we have with us today, Steve? Uh, well, it's funny you should ask because who better to compare a couple of great zombie movies than our good friend and co-host of the Wretched Hive podcast, Scott. Ivansky. Scott, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, Stevie B. I'm going to steal that from Greg because, uh, you know, he's not here right now. So. That's right. Hey, I am so happy to be here and uh, being a part of this wonderful new venture that you had started off. Uh, I cannot tell you how appropriate what we're going to talk mm. about today on this show really is. I mean, it. <laughs> It really does feel like the zombie apocalypse out there. Other than zombies walking around, unless you're at the grocery store, I, the streets are empty. It's eerie. There's there, there are tumbleweeds going down Spring Street in the middle of Long Beach, and it's kind of scary right now. But you know, we're all we're all kind of hunkering down and uh, trying to make the best of it. And I'm really glad to be here on this show today. Well, we're glad to have you, Scott. And we've got a couple of great movies that Scott and Chris are going to discuss today. We've got two standout movies, actually, in the world of zombie apocalypse movies. First one is 1978 cult classic Dawn of the Dead from George Romero up against Edgar White's Shaun of the Dead from 2004 starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. (laughs) I I can hardly say Simon Pegg's name without laughing. 
uh, which does zombie movies the way that Austin Powers does James Bond. I mean, let's face it, it's a, it's a send-up, but it's, it's, a, it's a classic in and of itself as well. And so, guys, it's time. Let's get into this. It's Don versus Sean. Let's do this. The stage is set. The curtain rises. We are ready to begin. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Okay, you two punks. I want a good, clean fight. I'm listening. I'm invincible! You're a loony. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You talking to me? Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. Is it safe? All right, gentlemen, uh, we will start with opening statements. Scott, you've got two minutes, uh, uninterrupted opening statement, followed by Chris. Scott, you're up. All right, well, let's do this. Uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, what is now, and has been for quite some time, a classic. You mentioned cult classic, Steve, but I'm just going to go with classic. Um, This is Dawn of the Dead. This is George Romero's classic follow-up, Dawn of the Dead, the sequel to the amazing Night of the Living Dead, uh, which is one of those great moments in cinematic history. Uh, It was an incredibly popular follow-up to, like I said before, the original Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Uh, It took him about 10 years to get this out, but did something that was pretty remarkable, told a second story uh, not with the original uh, cast, obviously. If you saw the original, uh, there's no one to really <laughs> tell that story. But um, he took it to a level that I thought was fantastic. Um, it not only continued the story, but it went a little bit deeper with some subtle messages about modern greed, consumerism, and even touched on other topics, taboo subjects such as racism in the time in the 70s. Um, but overall, it is a classic film, and uh, the basic idea is it's a few weeks after the original film takes place. Uh, a new group of people, kind of ragtag group of people, all get thrown together in an escape attempt uh, in a helicopter, end up in a shopping mall in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and from there, the bloodbath ensues. Um, I, I should take that back. The bloodbath actually starts right away in this film. Uh, <laughs> and, and there is some disturbing moments, even with the cheesy Technicolor uh, gore and blood. Uh, there are some moments that at the time were pretty shocking. Um, but yeah, it does really lend itself to maybe a moment of, in time, but really has kept that message of uh, just blatant consumerism and greed in our society alive and very present and it and shockingly how connected it is to the what we're experiencing in real life right now we're dealing with this same very thing it's it's basically a plague that's kind of taken over and we see a lot of the good in society but in a a sense a lot of the bad and the zombies in this film kind of represent that i'm really happy to say that i'm happy to be backing the dawn of the dead part of this uh this little conversation but it is a classic film and if you haven't seen it please go out and see it and from that i'm going to turn it over to you steve and chris all right thank you scott okay chris opening statement sean of the dead well guys let me start here i have always loved the zombie genre uh, since I was a, a, a young lad, uh, I remember camping out to watch Thriller over and over again. I remember my favorite character from the James Bond film, Live and Let Die, was Baron Samaday. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> the legendary Baron Savity, folks. The man who cannot die. I remember hanging out with all of my friends, watching all of these early Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and they were raw. They were real. I mean, it worked. It was just so terrifying as as as, as, as a young man. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a teacher. I, I've taught Max Brooks's zombie survival guide. I've built whole lessons around, you know, the the, the the sort of philosophical nature of the zombie apocalypse. But I must admit, I'm exhausted by it. I can shuffle no more along with the genre. I am giving up the genre entirely, except for the Edgar Wright classic Shaun of the Dead 2004. Shaun of the Dead, that lone survivor story, one nerd's quest to save his girlfriend, to save his best friends, to save his mates, to save his mom, to find the safest place possible to lock down the pub. (laughs) And I think that's what makes this film the absolute best zombie film out there. Excellent. Well done. Well done, gentlemen. All right, Scott, I'm going to start with you. Let's go. Um, you started by by correcting me by saying that this this film isn't only a cult classic; it's a classic. It is a classic. So what yeah. what makes this movie a classic film? What what gives it that classic status, Scott? Well, well here's the thing: no matter what we come to it in a conclusion, I'm going to say that Shaun of the Dead is a wonderful film. I'm go- I'm going to back whatever Chris says right now. But let's go back to the classic, which is Dawn of the Dead, and the reason why is. You have the master. You have George Romero, the the guy who is essentially the grandfather of the zombie genre. Did Romero invent zombies? No, he did for not. Film? But he okay. definitely defined it and created what we now know and love and hold very dear to our hearts, what a real zombie film is about. You could go back to the the earlier classics like White Zombie and there are a few others out there, but Romero is the one that set the stage, really created the concept of what a zombie can and can't do, more the rules of the game, changed some of the fast-paced stuff, which we saw reintroduced in uh, later films in the 90s and 2000s, like 28 Days Later and such. But let's talk about that classic thing, Steve. Um, Why is it a classic? You have a master director following up his original classic film. We all know Night of the Living Dead. It's one that we all go back to. Not only is it a sequel to a classic film, it defines itself and separates itself as an entirely different film and accomplishes that. Mm. I find that so hard to do nowadays as a film lover, as a fan, to have an actual sequel that a lot of people sometimes say surpasses the original. Mm. We can talk about The Godfather 2. We can talk about Aliens, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Dawn of the Dead is one of those films, as campy at the time it was shot, it was uh, that it kind of presented itself as, really has defined itself as something deeper on, on a deeper level than just a zombie film. It really does represent um, a wonderful, wonderful storytelling, great direction, and a plot that just really keeps you hanging on. Like You really want to find out what happens to these kind of crazy survivors that are all thrown together in a panic caught up in a shopping mall. How are they going to survive this? Are they going to use their wits? Are they going to use this concept of shopping and figure out how to solve this problem? And it's wonderful. It's just done in such a brilliant way. Just a shop. They chose a shopping mall rather than a bar. You know, I'll take a bar anytime there, Scott. Uh, 
that is one of the great parts of Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> Which, wait, can I can I throw this in in a, in a kind of a rebuttal to Chris? Yes, I cannot agree more with you, Chris. Times are different in 1978. However, let me explain how much different. There was a restaurant with a bar in the movie, so there was alcohol. And apparently, present. a gun shop that's that's <laughs> massive. Yeah, Scott, oh. isn't it like the Brown Derby and like Kitty Cat Club or something like that in the mall? You see. It? I can't remember the mall yeah, I've never seen in my life. It, it totally reminded me of like those old 70s restaurants that yeah. have the bars and the waitresses and the short skirts coming up. I'm yes, like, wow, totally that's in a mall. That's not a Woolworths, that's for sure. <laughs> I do like to sort of contrast it to, to Shaun of the Dead. In Shaun of the Dead, there's, there's actually a plan, right? They go through it three times in that wonderful scene. In, in Dawn of the Dead, it's get in an airplane and fly somewhere else, and they happen to end up at the mall. You know, in Shaun of the Dead, it's a very clear plan. Let's save my mom. Let's save my girlfriend. Let's save my friends. Let's get in the car. Let's ki- let's let's kill Philip, and let's go to the bar. And that's we'll sit it out. And there's this wonderful scene. So at least there's a there's an organizational plan here. You know, it's uh what we're looking for today: some organization, some some planning, some expectation of what will come next. Chris, that's that's a good point. But let me throw this out there: a plan has to be a plan. And that movie really, as much as I love that film, that plan is really thrown together at last minute. As much as Simon Pegg really desperately thinks he has a plan, Nick Frost's character does not help him out through that thing. So the killing Philip part kind of gets thrown in. It, it, it all kind of pieces itself together. And I'm not, again, a wonderful film, but it is a little bit herky-jerky at points. And I appreciate that for the style it is. And... What represented uh, Dawn of the Dead to me was the more drastic sense of urgency. And there is moments like that in Sean, but Dawn definitely has the more uh, dark realism grittiness thrown in with almost like this hyper-surrealistic world of a a shopping mall. And I just thought that was a a, a wonderful Mm -hmm. contrast of the two. And don't forget the the, the biker gang that comes out of nowhere at the end for some (laughs) unknown reason. Uh, It's a 70s film. You have to have a biker gang, right? An absurd, uh, idiotic biker gang that gets nothing right. You know, Chris, there's a comedic element that that I want to ask you about with Shaun of the Dead that's obviously not present in, in... a lot of zombie sort of apocalypse properties and certainly with dawn of the dead is i don't well there's there's a comedic element or two in it i I guess there's a moment or two i i suppose um having just watched it recently i think there's a scene where like you know just a little slapstick or something here and there but Shaun of the Dead is, is is really a dark comedy. Um, and I wonder if you could speak to that. In fact, there's one there's one scene I have to I just have to recount with you guys where um, Simon Pegg's character wakes up and he walks across the street. He's not paying attention to what he's doing and he, he goes into the, the, the pub or the mini mart, whatever it is, and he gets something, he puts money on the counter and he walks back. There's all this stuff happening around him and he, he doesn't notice any of it. It's hilarious. Uh, can you talk about that and, and why that makes this movie special? You know, I think sometimes the, the, the humor is what we need in this. Uh, we understand the gravity of, of the zombie film. We understand the the precarious nature of, uh, of all of these things that affect us. And I, I think this was a much this much, much need sort of interjection of comedy and, and parody and satire in, into the, the entire genre that had 
lost that steam. I mean, think about it. One of the best scenes is the record scene, right? They're in their backyard. They're they're going through their record collection to throw at the zombies. Uh, they, they have three <laughs> Prince albums, right? They said, oh, the Batman soundtrack. Throw that one, no problem, right? Uh, dire Which is Straits. a crime. That's a great song, by the way. <laughs> dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Throw that one. Uh, Shot A. Throw that one. It's Liz's. No problem. Uh, you know, I, I, even I think there's like a selfie moment where they take a photograph with with the zombie and, and and i agree with you i think that you know Shaun of the dead has this wonderful sort of slow burn that it, it, it the pacing is just absolutely marvelous and it starts mm-hmm. with the scene the night before what you described steve of you know they're out for the night you know they're they're half drunk already and it starts the next morning with sean with that you know big yawn and i think that's the beauty of the film is is just the the comedic element that 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 takes away the tension before it then starts, you know, with this, you know, climactic final scene that I'm sure we'll talk about much later. Mm-hmm. Scott can, is, can, is, can I, oh, I want to jump yeah, on please. a couple things. I, I like your comedy that you went for. Hold that for one second, Steve. I sure, like sure. that you went with that. And that's one of the things that's really tough in the 78 Dawn of the Dead is I think the only comedic element of this is the actual mall itself. It's a character in itself. And that's the comedic moment mm. in a very dark and serious film. Obviously, the eras and the times represent themselves differently. The 70s were a very dark time, and we know that from our favorite film, Star Wars, uh, changed a lot of that in the perspective of the dark war movies and and such at the time. Dawn represented that. I think Sean really had that kind of going for it, the kind of smarminess, the snarkiness of the times, which, again, is much appreciated for what it is, but the the comedic, comedic side of it is just the fact that they end up in a shopping mall in itself. And it's kind of goofy because there are some goofy moments where they are running around in the mall like nothing else. The world hasn't collapsed around them and they're having playtime. And I'm like, this seems kind of odd. And the biker gang, of course. <laughs> and Scott, I had, I had not seen Dawn of the Dead in, in a few years, and it was it was my favorite of the group as well too. We discussed this. Yeah. And I'm I'm a big fan of Night of the Living Dead. I think it's absolute genius. But I I must admit, after rewatching it, I I felt a little dirty. And there's a, there's a moment where I think Peter, the cop, says, "Our responsibilities are over. You know, you can't hole up in your homes anymore. It won't work." And I think there's even a line they say where you know they say, "Wake up. You know, we're we're the thieves. We're the bad guys, right?" And so, so maybe it's just the moment. Maybe if we had this conversation ten weeks from now, you know, I still love it as much as I always did. But I actually felt it, it took me to this sort of dark pit, and that was a, a weird place to be as I'm looking for, you know, some kind of of optimism in in, in the chaos that we see. Yeah, and maybe the times right now kind of call for that. But I, I want to say this also: there is something I do appreciate more of a dark element in some of my more serious tone films. One of the reasons why I like Shaun of the Dead is it takes me out of that, like you mentioned, the record scene. Um, But at the time, let's look back in the 70s and just say this. uh, Yeah, some of those characters have moments. I mean, if you watch the opening of Dawn of the Dead, you will notice that they really tackle a really, really, like, very racist moment in that Mm -hmm. film, which wasn't really a big thing at the time. And we're talking Mm -hmm. the 70s, a lot of that stuff was, like, kind of brushed over, unless it was a film specifically touching on that but here's a zombie film talking about uh, overabundance and and uh, you know the whole consumerism stuff we were talking about earlier and now they're tackling a subject where one guy is taking people out in an almost a racist rant mm-hmm. just because he doesn't like the fact this is happening i thought it was interesting that romero could interweave that into a story and tell it and still mm-hmm. bring us to a point where even when the cop is saying that chris um 
are these characters going to follow that? Are they going to believe it or are they going to try and overcome it? And as campy as the bikers and, and all the obstacles that are kind of thrown in their way, including the zombies at one point, it, is this going to get them down? Is it going to let us basically end civilization? And I, I thought that was a pretty interesting message to throw at somebody in a zombie film in 1978. Mm-hmm. I, still one of those moments. But Hey, Scott, was Dawn of the Dead inspirational for The Walking Dead? It certainly seems like it to me. I mean, when I watched that movie recently, it was like, wow, this seems like a two-hour 1970s version of The Walking Dead. Let's put it to you this way. Yes, it was, but no in the sense of the story itself. Because if we know what The Walking Dead is all about, um, you know that the concept of the word zombie doesn't exist and the idea that characters in the story don't actually know about Romero or any of that. Like That part of real history doesn't exist, but for um, uh, Kirkman himself to create it, he was a huge Romero fan. And I was lucky enough to meet him in person at a couple of these live uh, events with the cast. And he did talk about Romero being the inspiration on telling a different uh, drawn out story. He actually said the worst thing about going to see a Romero film back in the, you know, sixties and seventies was the fact that I, it ended, it ended in two hours and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I wanted to see these characters live on and move on and how would they tackle these situations? Um, and, and so in that sense, yeah, I, yeah, the inspiration's there, but if you're talking storyline, no, I would say it's not. No, not storyline, but I mean, yeah. it just, just the fact that the, they're continually in peril, even, even some of the story elements, like the use of the, the, the 18 wheelers, they're yeah. the the way it's shot they're with their ankles being you know close to being bitten almost constantly and of course in the walking dead we eventually come to know that the title of the series itself the walking dead refers to the survivors rather than the walkers or the zombies uh, but i see another parallel there as well with the dawn of the dead um Although the movie doesn't last long enough for us to really get there and explore that, it seems like the survivors are headed uh, to the same fate as the survivors in the Walking Dead series. So uh, lots of parallels. Really great stuff. And prison, the TV the show. Prison and the prison in the mall, right? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. wonderful contrast. I think that they feel very similar. You know, you yeah. think they're a place of protection and they're not. <clears throat> Talk a little bit more about the consumerism angle of this, Scott. Why is that, why is that relevant today? Today, well, let's back it up just for a second. Back then, that was a, a concept that was really becoming a forefront issue with society, especially here in the U.S. Hmm. Uh, today, I mean, it's obviously grown. Um, we've went through transitions. We obviously went through the unbelievable 80s era of uh, greed and overabundance. That in 78 was starting to be, become a more relevant issue to people being dependent on things that weren't necessary – to our basic functions in life and a lot of there was there were a lot of society issues and battles with that where we were dealing with it and i think what romero did was basically capture that and kind of show us ourselves on screen where where's the last place you want to be trapped at a shopping mall it's got glass everywhere i mean they were able to barricade themselves in for the most part but yeah they get in fairly easy halfway to three quarters of the way of the film and all hell breaks loose and the only thing they have to really defend themselves is a bunch of flash in a shop that you walk by and you don't even know if you want to walk in, like a, a flash in the pot moment. Do I really need to go into that sporting goods store? Maybe they have baseball bats. 
Mm. Or do I need to go into that, you know, Forever 21 story? I, it's it's weird because there is, I think there's a marriage scene also in there. It's it, There's all these little moments that take place, or a dress-up scene where they're all like trying on clothes. And it's just strange to see how reality stops, like the reality of their situation, the danger that they're in. And they're in this moment where like, you know, teenagers in a mall, they're in a mall. And they're experiencing like, let's run around and take whatever we want and have fun. It's this like almost like Caligula moment where they're just like, hey, you know, we can do whatever the hell we want. And then when the danger starts to present itself, they have to step up and realize most of this stuff isn't worth anything to us. Mm. It's nothing. But yeah, it's it's still relevant today. We have this same concept today. Mm -hmm. so. Scott, did, did did they have in that sporting goods store a cricket mallet? Because apparently those are pretty good at killing zombies, uh, <laughs> according to Shaun of the Dead, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I do think that, that even in, in its levity, Shaun tries to do a very similar thing. I mean, the, the film starts off with that wonderful music where you have the workers who are going about their day. They're mm -hmm. ringing things up. They're not paying any attention whatsoever. There's the kids playing, uh, you know, the, 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 the video games they're playing. Everyone is distanced and removed. They might as well be zombies nothing has woken them up right they're 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 not living their lives at all it, it then sort of pans to sean and his moan right and you don't quite know if he's a zombie and so so i think even in its levity it's, it's still aiming for some kind of uh, of social connection beyond just the laugh and the funny and the haha -ha. Uh, and, and, and again, uh, you know, maybe it's also the times as well, too. You know, it's a, it's a film in 2004. It's coming off of the events of 2001 with, with September 11th. And maybe there was a need. I mean, this is about the time when Lord of the Rings won Best Picture, right, where we were looking for something different uh, that didn't you know, have that Caligula feel to it to just describe what you're saying. But I, I still think there's something of uh, substance there that, that Sean's aiming for as well, too. Uh, maybe it's also going back to revisit all the 70s stuff that just creeped me out. Like, I, I wore that, right? I remember those malls. I think isn't J.C. Penny. I think it's just called Penny, right? That's the key yeah. store they keep focusing on. Yeah. And yep. it's just, it has everything. It has tools. It has, you know, these giant televisions that we all grew up on. So, so yeah. I think there is this sense that uh you know it was it was maybe a world I, I looked at thought I'm not sure I want to revisit that <laughs> uh Chris that's a good point um yeah I I understand that totally my my thing with this is the difference that I see in these two wonderful films is um you have Shaun of the Dead which I see as more of a parody with, that's being told through a really well-written story of these things the humor part of it while not slapstick ha ha is still humor in the sense the humor in in dawn what i'm seeing is more subtle and kind of a little bit more of a slap at our reality that we were living in certainly in the 70s but my thing with that is how as a storyteller do you tell these two stories and my thing with george was he had to follow up and make a sequel that continued a story that he created that was beloved by so many people certainly the horror genre fans but uh, even the mass public got into it. So you have to continue a story that tells his original story. Shaun of the Dead has the, the luxury of coming later in life and having to tell that same story, but in more of a parody way. Although done in an excellent way, Dawn has to tell the real story of real people in a movie setting, obviously, but a continuation. And how can you tell just enough of a different story that reflects the times of the moment, 10 years after 68 you're living in 78, 
there was a big difference in those 10 years. So I think George really accomplished something uh, that I don't think Ed, Edgar Wright could accomplish in that film. And rightfully so, because I think Edgar really wanted to point out a different type of, of style, certainly through his humor. And that's why I think Dawn of the Dead is is the, the movie that paves the way for all movies. It shows satire, but it shows the seriousness of a situation in an era in a select time. Well said. Well said. All right, guys, we've come to the time of the show where we have closing arguments. Arguments. Wait, 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 Steve. Let me back back you up for one moment. We have to talk about the final scene. I'm sorry. The (laughs) final scene of Shaun of the Dead with Don't Stop Me Now. If we don't have that conversation, you know, I I cannot sleep tonight. Chris, I wouldn't forgive you if you didn't talk about that final scene. It's a fantastic moment. So again, they've made it to the Winchester to set to the score of Don't Stop Me Now. Freddie Mercury before the comeback. It is so filled with positivity. It's so filled with energy. Again, they finally made it. They found that same spot, and it all gets set off by a video game. So many great hilarious moments the, the line david kill the queen <laughs> is brilliant in a british comedy the old guy who owns the bar they beat him up with pool sticks to the absolute beat of the queen song is genius <laughs> the gun that's not supposed to be loaded that's actually loaded the choreography it's like a it's like a, a dance <laughs> as they're dancing with the zombies it's brilliant and my favorite scene the dart to the side of the head (laughs) she throws a dart at a zombie and sticks it in simon (laughs) Pegg's head that's absolute genius (laughs) contrast that to dawn of the dead right a biker gang breaks in they fly off in the in the helicopter oh it's to to, to me i'm on board The, the two films are even but the ending I think of Shaun of the Dead as what really captivates me. It's 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 sheer classic. You can go back go back and watch it at any moment of the day, and it, you will feel better about the world. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to before the closing arguments. I'm going to actually add some positivity to Chris's thing because he's missing one other moment in that film. Uh, it is one of hands down one of the best moments in cinema, not just a zombie film and not just a parody of a zombie film. I think one of the greatest moments is when the two teams, you never meet the other team, but when they start crossing paths on the side of the garage in the back alley, (laughs) and you see the reflection of each character as they pass, which has been used in another film recently, uh, which we all, I'm sure, love, is Zombieland. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just one of those things where you... You see what somebody's trying to show in a deeper sense, that there Mm -hmm. we have all, all of us are alike. We all have some similarities, and in this mm-hmm. case, those same personalities are both saving themselves and their friends around them. I thought that was a brilliant moment in Shaun of the Dead. I had to talk some other moments. I mean, Don't Stop Me Now is one of my all-time favorite <laughs> sequences. Uh, and yes, uh, you're right. We, d- we don't have the humor to that level in Dawn of the Dead, but that's, that's quite all right. I'll take my biker game. And that, that scene you're talking about has a great uh, cameo by Martin Friedman, right? Bilbo Baggins and uh, Dr. Watson is, I think he has one line in the film. It's high, right? He, he yeah. sees his opposite double. <laughs> so good. All right, guys. Now it's time. Finally, we've come to that moment. Scott, you're up first. Your closing argument in support of Dawn of the Dead. 
Okay, I'm going to try and rip through this one pretty quick, but I had to point out one other thing just to give give Chris a lot of props. He brought up Max Brooks' great book, which is actually sitting over on my shelf right across the room right there is How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, right? Is that? Yeah, there you go. Survival Guide, right? <laughs> Complete pr- protection. Oh, I've got the Robot Uprising one as well. That's fantastic. So I mentioned it earlier. George Romero is the master. Without George Romero, we would not have, to the level that we had, all the films that came afterwards, including Dawn of the Dead, which is by far one of the most phenomenal sequels out there. Dated as it may be, it's still amazing, and you can find so much in that film. But without George, you wouldn't have Edgar Wright. You wouldn't have Zombieland. You wouldn't have walking dead you wouldn't have the stuff that we've seen today his inspiration alone his his existence alone in this genre has created some of the most fantastic films to follow but that's the point dawn of the dead created something even in the 70s when things were darker it had a little tongue-in-cheek it had a definite different type of sense of humor about it but it continued a story It told it in one of the most amazing ways. It woke a lot of us up that were smart enough to understand what was going on at the time. Oh, my goodness, we're addicted to the things we could buy. And it just presented a lot of fun at the theater. And to this day, I I recently saw it, I'm going to say within two or three years ago, they had a a revival up in L.A. at one of the big Broadway theaters Mm -hmm. and just had a blast seeing it up there up on the big screen again watching it with a bunch of fans it showed you that these people cared about romero's uh his entire like everything he's done you know his 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 filmography exists so fans can just like horror fans just drool over what has come from it and if it wasn't for him i don't know i i don't see something like sean existing obviously in the title itself is a complete parody of Dawn of the Dead with a little bit more of the sarcastic humor. And I respect that. But I also know that without that, it could just have a totally different meaning. So kudos to George and your wonderful filmmaking. And I am so happy that we got one of the best, if not the best, I'm going to say second best because Night of the Living Dead is a fantastic film. So Dawn is my tied for first, possibly second greatest zombie film out there (laughs) all right well said scott well said all right chris you're up closing arguments in support of sean of the dead (laughs) as i've said already i think one of the 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 wonderfully sort of insightful moments of sean of the dead is that we are the zombies we are the people living these vapid pointless lives and even in the zombies themselves i think it's interesting because in, in sean it gets more and more personal as the film goes along. First, those zombies, it's the, it's the, it's the, I think they call it the slag in the backyard, uh, with a, with a wonderful record debate. Then it's the jerk roommate. And then it's the, the, the stepfather, Philip, and it's the neighbors and that film and that wonderful final scene at the Winchester ends up with, you know, don't shoot my mom, don't shoot my mom. And it turns just brilliant at the end. And it has that great classic turn with, even Ed is changed into zombie at the end as they sit there and play video games at the end. And what I love about this is, is the zombies themselves actually become more human as the humans become more human. 
the, the zombies are, are less brutal. They, the arc of the film takes us to a different place, and I think we, we, we need that today. We have to believe that there's some humanity, there's some goodness, there's some compassion, there's some camaraderie. Zombie films don't have to reveal just the worst in us. They can also reveal the best in us. That's that's the hope I have to have that that, that 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 with this genre that with this current situation we can find that we can we can be better human beings. We can do more than we're doing now. We can do more with our lives that we're living right now. We don't have to just shuffle along and toil throughout our daily existence. We can do more than consume our fellow neighbors. We can be better. We can be better human beings. We can really appeal to those better angels of who we are. And to me, that is why Shaun of the Dead is the superior film. Wow. Not bad for a couple of zombies, you guys. Well done. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's close this up. Did you ever have to make up your mind? Pick up on one and leave the other behind. It's not often easy and not often kind. Did you ever have to make up your mind? It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. Cake or death? That's a pretty easy question. Anyone can answer that. Cake or death? Uh, cake, please. There can be only one. You don't choose the things you believe in. They choose you. The hardest choices require the strongest will. For the love of God, shut your mouth. Okay, listeners, it's up to you to cast your vote for Dawn of the Dead or Shaun of the Dead. All you need to do is go to the link in the episode notes in your podcast app for this episode. You can also find the link on our Facebook page or Twitter. That's at either or show. We're also on Instagram at the same handle at either or show. We're counting on you to help decide which we like better, Don or Sean. So go vote now for Chris Evans and Scott Ivansky. I'm Steve Baldwin reminding you. You must choose. Choose wisely. The end of the world.